Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Mikel Arteta's Arsenal returned to Premier League action on Monday night with a tricky trip to Selhurst Park. We'll be previewing that fixture and taking your thoughts and questions from the live chat on this edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Happy Sunday. Hope you're all good. Hope you are all well. Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast right here on the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel. If you're listening to us on the audio platforms as well, uh, a big hello, good morning, happy Sunday to you guys too. Uh, so pleased uh, to see so many of you are with us bright and early on a Sunday morning. Um, I got up really early today. Um, I've just got in from work. Yeah, that might sound crazy to some people because it's 10 a.m. here in the UK, but I've literally just walked in the door. Uh, I was on the TalkSport weekend breakfast show this morning uh, doing the morning paper reviews uh, with the brilliant Natalie Sawyer and, of course, Tony Cascarino. It meant a 4.30 a.m. departure from home. So I am a little bit tired, um, got plenty to do today as well, which isn't ideal, but I figured rather than come home and sleep, I'm just going to power through it. Let's go, and hopefully we get a bit of an early night tonight. But look, We've got to look at Arsenal's game coming up tomorrow night, Monday night, that is, at Selhurst Park, under the lights. We only ever seem to play Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park on a Monday or on a Friday night. Like, it's always under the lights. It's always midweek, um, midweek, end of the week, beginning of the week, wherever you want to put it. But you know what I mean? It's never on a Saturday or a Sunday. It's always a weekday. And, um, and I think that adds to the difficulty of this fixture, I've got to be honest with you, because the kind of atmosphere that can be generated within Selhurst Park is very different to what you come across at a lot of Premier League grounds. And I think when you're talking about evening games, uh, it really, really uh, does help in terms of um, in terms of that atmosphere generation. Um, also want to wish the Lioness as well. Uh, they're going to be kicking off in under an hour's time at the time of recording. They, of course, take on Spain in the Women's World Cup final. Can they make it a European Championship followed by a World Cup? Will they be the first England team to win a World Cup since 1966? It's a big, big day for the Lionesses. Wishing them all the best. And don't worry, we'll be wrapped up in good time so that you can sit down, turn your TV sets on and watch that one, which should be a fascinating encounter. Right, on this edition, we're going to look ahead to our game. As I say, we're going to discuss the lineup. We're going to share some predictions. We're going to talk about the decisions that Mikel Arteta has to make. And we'll talk a little bit about what we can expect from Crystal Palace. 
who are currently managed once again by Roy Hodgson, who has returned, who returned to the club midway through last season, a little bit later than midway. Um, guided Crystal Palace to safety when there was obviously concern about where they were headed. And he's continuing on. Even at his age, Roy Hodgson's still going and still going strong. We're going to do all of that on this edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Right. Uh, you know what? Let's say a few hellos before we dive into uh, the chat itself. Uh, Terrell uh, says, morning, Harry. Hope you're good. Uh, we've got N.A. in the chat who says, uh, waiting, Harry. Uh, we've got Matt. We've got Zebic, Latvian Guna, Mystery Gamer Kid says, late. Never heard that one before. Yontora <laughs> uh, Fjolstad is with us. He says, good morning. Hope Eddie starts and that Mr. Arteta will sub players uh, when Arsenal are more or less in control. So I guess what you're suggesting is that you want to see it freshened up before it gets to the point where that actually needs to be done. Uh, from the sidelines. So you want us to be proactive rather than reactive. Essentially, we've got Johan in the chat. Steve's with us at Black Halo Man. We've got Mafia Boss. Uh, Tom says, uh, morning, Harry and chat. You well? All good, mate. All good. A little bit tired, as I say, but all good. Cracking on. Canterbury Guna uh, says, morning all. Come on, you lionesses. We've got uh, Cyprus Without Borders, who says, uh, Yasu, hope you're good, my friend. Um, what else have we got? Name says, I'm convinced the TV companies do it because they know it gives Palace a better chance, referring to the point that this game always seems to bloody take place on either a, a Monday night or a Friday night and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, you know, maybe, you know, it certainly adds to the spectacle, I would argue. Um, and I think that's why you see a lot of these games move to Friday nights, Monday nights, all the rest of it. So, yeah, I, I don't think that that's a a bad point at all. In fact, I think you you probably hit the nail on the head. Uh, Joy Lynch, Jai Lynch, have I said that right? Sorry if I've got it wrong. Says, evening, mate, from Australia. First time catching you live. Love the content. Good to see you, man. And uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, what else have we got? Delisu is in the chat. Uh, Terrell's asking for a prediction for tomorrow's game. We'll get onto that a little bit later. Uh, Matt says, good luck to the Lionesses. And Gunner Deja Vu says, Harry Postacoglu reminds me of you. Oh, man. Like, listen, I don't want to like Ange Postacoglu because he manages that lot. And it's impossible for me to like him 100% as a result of that. I do think he'll do a good job at Spurs. Um, and as a guy, he comes across really well, I think. And yeah, look, he's Greek. I know people say he's Australian, but Angelos Postacoglu, he's a, he's a Greek guy, right? He's a Greek guy. He's a Greek-Australian. Um, and he looks like a Greek guy, doesn't he? A, a mate of mine posted a picture yesterday of him sort of standing on the touchline. Spurs fan. Yeah, I do have a few mates that that support that lot, unfortunately. And I, I sort of texted him and I was like, man, how Greek does he look? How Greek does Ange Postacoglu uh, look? Uh, Kenny uh, says he doesn't want the Lionesses to win, mate. Each to their own. Everybody's entitled to support whoever they want. Um, yeah, I mean... Is what it is. Um, I, I feel when the England men's team play, and I know this is going to go down like a lead balloon and probably be quite unpopular. I don't really care when the men play. Um, I don't feel that connection to the men's side. I'm not. I'm not pretending to to be massive into women's football because I, I actually hate it when people do that. I think it's more disrespectful if you pretend because you think it suits to pretend that you're a massive fan of women's football, I think you're better off just saying, look, I keep an eye on what goes on in it because of my work. 
Um, but if I said I was a hardcore diehard fan that watched it every week, I'd be lying to you. I keep an eye on what Arsenal do in the WSL, but my interest isn't as, as wide spanning as some people's in the women's game. And I'm not afraid or ashamed to say that or admit that, you know, I hope in time that I'll learn more and more about it and I'll get to the point where, um, you know, I can cover it to the same level, but I'm not there at this moment in time. That's the truth. Um, that's the truth of the matter. I think the point I was trying to make that I digressed away from is that there's a, I feel a little bit of dislike towards the men's team, partly because of some of the players that played for them over the years. And obviously my club allegiance makes it difficult for me to kind of change or to switch off those emotions when international football comes along and support someone that I'm doing the opposite of supporting throughout the majority of the season. But with the Lionesses, I think they've really captured the imagination of the country. I think they've done wonderful things. I think watching how women's football has grown off the back of them winning the European Championships tells me and and gives me the belief that if they go on and win this, the game could explode even more. And I think that's a great thing. You know, whatever your thoughts are on women's football, whatever your thoughts are on the Lionesses, I think the impact of England winning this would be massive. It would be huge. Now, of course, they've got to face a very, very good Spain side and nothing's a foregone conclusion. We are recording this before the final takes place, of course. But I just think, you know, OK, look, regardless of whether they win, the impact they've had has been massive. And I think you're going to see another big spike in the interest in women's football um, after whatever happens today. But anyway, let's get into it. Let's talk. Um, yeah, let's talk mighty Arsenal, who, of course, uh, take on Crystal Palace on Monday night. And I think Mikel Arteta's got a few decisions to make. We're going to come on to talk about the lineup in a bit. What I will say is, first and foremost, fitness levels need to be higher, need to be better, need to be stronger if Arsenal are going to go to Crystal Palace and get a result. Better than they were against Nottingham Forest on the opening day. I've said it already uh, a few times now in sort of the week that's just gone by when we were kind of continuing to deal with the fallout of the Nottingham Forest game, that it wasn't complacency for me that allowed Nottingham Forest to get back in the game. It's the Premier League and teams will punish you if you give them one chance on occasion. And that's what happened to us against Forest. That's what got them back in the game. It was one breakaway involving Alanga and Awani who applied the finishing touch. But outside of that, Forest didn't do very much. But this is the Premier League. And if you keep a team in a game. So if you don't take your chances, if you don't kill them off, there's always the chance that this happens. I, again, people said it was complacency. People said that Arsenal mentally had checked out. I don't think that was the case. I think that it was tired legs. I think there is an argument, as we've said throughout the course of the week, that Mikel could have made changes slightly earlier to freshen things up. And perhaps that scenario that we ended up in uh, would have been avoided. But Ultimately, it's about fitness and it's about getting the players up to speed uh, ahead of another game. And the fact that Mikel Arteta pushed for and arranged a friendly with Luton Town, who, of course, weren't in action this weekend due to work being done on their stadium, Kenilworth Road, kind of told me and, and told a lot of people that Mikel felt the same with regards to the fitness levels. That Mikel also believed um, that his team weren't quite at top physical condition and that they needed some work. Um, in order to get there ahead of this one. Now, obviously, that friendly took place on Thursday. Plenty of time between Thursday and Monday uh, to shake off um, the effects of whatever minutes 
uh, the players were given in that game. Not many details around about that game. Uh, it was played behind closed doors. We know that Arsenal won 3 0. Um, but yeah, it's um, it, it's something that we we need to show uh, has improved over the course of this last week or so. And I expect it to improve, right? It's not something I'm majorly concerned about. I think we've seen a lot of teams run out of steam late on in games, in the second half of games early this season, because that's the way it is. You know, your preseason load is is something that you've got to be really, really careful with, particularly when you consider how late seasons are going on at the moment and how many games your players have played. I mean, Bukayo Saka's season finished late. His preseason started earlier than it probably should have because of the want to get back in the picture, get back in the frame and be ready for the new season in order to help Arsenal. But we need to manage those levels. And I think one of our problems has been over the last few or certainly last year was that we peaked too early and we ran out of steam towards the end. Yes, injuries killed us with that as well. But I think Arsenal just, yeah, just didn't peak at the right time last season. And Mikel would have learned from that. And I think he'll he'll think that, yep, OK, fitness levels need to be better now, but it's not the end of the world that we're still working up to a point where we're uh, at peak level as long as we're still picking up the results. And we did that against Nottingham Forest. So let's put that to one side now and focus on this game that's coming up. I think we're going to face a physical challenge. You're always going to get that from Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park under the lights, as we've described. I expect Roy Hodgson to line up with two banks of four. I think at times you'll see a back five or at times you'll see like a midfield five. Um with just the one player up top as Crystal Palace look to plug the holes that Arsenal are going to be looking to work in and pop up in. He's too wily, he's too experienced, Roy Hodgson. He's too streetwise, in my opinion, to play right into our hands. Now, I don't want to be critical of Patrick Vieira as a manager because I think he's a great manager. But I think Patrick Vieira would have been far more likely had he still been in the role to play into our hands in terms of wanting to implement his style and one in his side to come out and impose that on us. Roy Hodgson has been around the block so many times. He knows that his team can't match up. He knows that his team would be foolish, would be naive to go toe-to-toe with Arsenal. And I fully expect us to come up against a low block, a stubborn Crystal Palace side, a Crystal Palace side looking to be narrow, compact. Um, I think, as Latvian Guna says, uh, they'll probably shift shape at times in the game to to deal with whatever they feel is the biggest threat. And I think although Crystal Palace would love to nick a goal, uh, would love to score uh, and would love to, to take all three points, I think that would be the second thing in their priority list. The first and foremost uh, priority will be to keep Arsenal out, to keep Arsenal at bay and to frustrate us. And, you know, if we look at how the season's gone so far, there isn't much to go by. And this is why the preview shows at the start of a season can be quite difficult. And this is why, you know, as I've said to you guys in the past, these will get better and better over the course of the campaign. But I'll share with you uh, some statistics, uh, some details about some recent meetings uh, between our two clubs. Let me just bring it up on the screen. Bear with me. Here we go. There we are. So 28 meetings in the Premier League between the two sides. And you can see Arsenal have been super dominant in that. Um, 16 wins in comparison to Crystal Palace's four. Uh, and there have been eight draws, of course, between the two sides as well. If we go back to last season, Arsenal beating Crystal Palace back in March heavily at Emirates Stadium. We also won uh, at Selhurst Park on the opening weekend of last season. You remember that on the Friday night, 2-0 wins. Inchenko starred that day. Saliba uh, was excellent as well. If you go back to the season prior, we were beaten 
heavily at Selhurst Park on Monday, the 4th of April, which contributed to us missing out on a top four place. And earlier on in that campaign, we were frustrated by them at Emirates Stadium, where there was a 2-2 draw. If you take it back to the meeting before that, it was a 3-1 win for Arsenal on Wednesday, 19th of May, 2021, down at Selhurst Park. So in recent times, uh, there's been one, two, two Arsenal victories, three Arsenal victories from the last five, uh, a draw between the two sides and a Crystal Palace win as well. So a bit of a mixed bag, I guess. If you look at the form guide, and again, you know, this might not make a lot of sense and might not have a lot of meaning because of where we are in the season. But of course, Arsenal kicked off their campaign with that 2-1 win over Nottingham Forest. Crystal Palace kicked off their campaign with three points too. An away trip to Sheffield United, who I think a lot of people feel will struggle this season and are probably one of the favourites to go down. But still, to go away on the opening weekend and beat a promoted side is not quite as straightforward as it might seem. Uh, the atmosphere is always going to be raucous, uh, is always going to be buzzing. There's always going to be that optimism around a promoted side, regardless of what people think their long-term chances of survival are. Crystal Palace managed to navigate that situation really well and, and come out and come back with all three points. So if you look at the stats again so far, doesn't really mean an awful lot. Seventh and eighth, um, Arsenal and Crystal Palace, well, we were at the start of the weekend. I don't know if that's changed off the back of some of the results. One win apiece, uh, average goal score per match. It's only one game to go by. Arsenal got two against Forest Palace, just the one at Sheffield United. Um, if we take it on to top player stats, there isn't anything there which tells you that this is still really, really early days. And it's it's really difficult to build a picture around these games on statistics. And plus, you know, you know, I, I mean, we kind of know what the base principles are that Roy Hodgson's going to apply. But as I keep saying, he's been around the block so many times. I wouldn't be surprised if there are slight tweaks uh, to how he sets his team up in an attempt to try and catch us. Uh, off guard. Look, this is a really, really dangerous fixture. As I say, the atmosphere will be great. Arsenal need to be at a better physical level than they were in that second half against Nottingham Forest. But equally, if Arsenal play the way they did from minute 20 to half time, then Arsenal blow Crystal Palace out of the water. And this isn't even a contest. There are so many ways that any Premier League game can go nowadays that you've kind of got to be prepared for everything. Commitment is necessary. Um, discipline is necessary, but also, you know, the flip side of discipline is is sometimes not being completely all over the place, but sometimes you need to be brave in the risks you take and gamble. I think Arsenal would do that. I think we've seen Mikel Arteta's want to see his players do that um, on a regular basis. He wants people to join in with the midfield. He wants people to get into that front line from midfield positions and make it a back five at times. Tough, tough fixture this, um, but I think a lot of it's going to come down to whether Arsenal are firing or not. If Arsenal perform, as I say, as they did from minute 20 to minute 45 last Saturday, they'll have no problems. But you know that if you don't take your chances, if you don't put a game to bed, you will struggle against a side like this. You know, you will struggle against a side that are more than happy to kind of stick in, make it difficult, close spaces, shut down passing lanes, who have a physical presence about them that makes them a threat from set pieces, that makes them a threat on the counter-attack because of some of the pace they have in their attacking line. They will obviously be buzzing as well because, you know, Michael Elise looked like he was off, looked like he was headed for Chelsea. And they announced the other day that he signed a new four-year contract. 
I'm not saying that that's going to make the world of difference in this particular game, but it makes a difference to the mood. It makes a difference to the feeling around the football club. You know, there was a, a resignation among Crystal Palace fans, I'm guessing, that Michael Elise was going to go. Another one of their talented players was going to leave, was going to head out the door. There is no Wilfred Zaha anymore, uh, a player that was a constant thorn in our sides personally, a player that was linked with Arsenal on many occasions as well. But yeah, I just, you know, I think this is a dangerous game. If we can win this, it'll be great because then we've got Fulham at home. And if you can win that as well, you're talking about nine points from nine and really positive start. The kind of start that allowed us to grow in confidence last season. We won five out of five at the beginning of last season. If we can do something similar, it sets the tone for the campaign. And I don't need us to be spectacular. I don't need us to to win when it comes to every metric. I don't need us to be at our brilliant best. We don't need that every week. We need results. And if we get the results for now and the peak in terms of performances comes a little bit later than it did last season, then maybe uh, that's what's going to make the difference in terms of pushing for the Premier League title, which I hope we can do again. Uh, in this campaign. Champions League, of course, uh, I think is going to play a part in that. And we have to be wary and mindful of that. But yeah, lots to be positive uh, about. And um, yeah, hopefully we can uh, continue that positive feeling and mood around the football club with all three points from this one. Guys, just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please do leave a like on the video. It really, really does help. Also subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new, that helps too. Um, if you're listening to us on audio, please do leave us a review as well. Next up, we're going to discuss the lineup. There's a few decisions for Mikel Arteta to make. Who plays up front? Who plays through the middle? What does the midfield shape look like? Does Gabriel return to the starting eleven? Could Zinchenko be ready for a start? Or is Tommy Asu the best solution at left back in the absence of Jurian Timber? Kieran Tini, what about him? We'll get into all of that after this very, very short pause. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey, everybody. Welcome back along to the podcast. Hope you're good. Hope you are well. Uh, thank you for bearing uh, with us during the break. Uh, Arsenal content says Alise injured, thankfully. Yeah, um, I believe he's he's not fit enough to take part. But the point I was making was about the mood and the, the kind of the uplift that that gives Crystal Palace as a football club to know that somebody like Chelsea, who are obviously financially very superior, um, were knocking at the door, were trying to make something happen. Crystal Palace stood their ground, were unhappy with the way that Chelsea approached uh, trying to sign Michael Elise and have managed to fend off the Wolves for now. So it's more about the mood that it, it generates, not just among the fans, but within the club as well. Um, but yeah, 
big deal for Palace to hold on to. Um, Arsenal content agrees. Okay, uh, let's talk about the starting lineup then. Let me just uh, share my screen with those of you watching us. Don't worry if you're listening on audio. I will uh, explain to you as well. Um, bear with me one second. Because I, I, look, I do think that there are a few changes um, that Mikel Arteta could potentially make. Um, you know, I do think there are a few things that Mikel could potentially do to freshen things up um, that would maybe make us better equipped for this particular fixture. It is going to be a different challenge altogether coming up against um, Crystal Palace, you know, coming up against a, a side away from home that we know are going to play in a certain way. That's, it's a very different challenge from what we have or what we had on the opening day of the season, not in the sense of the opponent being defensive. I think we knew, um, I think we knew that Forest were going to play the way that they did. And I think we know that Crystal Palace are going to apply a lot of the same principles, but being away from home is a different kettle of fish. You feel like there's more threat from the opposition and you feel like their threat would might be more than just the odd counter attack here and there. You feel like you could be at some point under a sustained uh, period of pressure. But anyway, let's share the screen with you. Let's talk about this starting lineup then and we'll get into uh, the discussion points, as I say. So I've kind of provisionally put this up, but I'm open to changing it. I might well change it if I talk myself out of or, or into some of the decisions that I've made. So I'm looking at a starting 11 at the moment of Ramsdale in goal, White at right back, uh, Saliba and Gabriel back at centre half with Tommy Asu starting on the left hand side. Partey, Rice and Odegaard would be my midfield with Saka, Martinelli and Nketia through the middle. Now, there are a few players that could come into this. So first of all, I don't know how ready Alexander Zinchenko is to play from the beginning. We know that he got some minutes against Luton Town in the behind closed doors friendly, but we know those were his first minutes of preseason, essentially, of his preseason. So I don't know that he's going to be ready and available. Look, if he is, then that's an easy one. You play Zinchenko at left back. You get him to come into the midfield as he does so well, because I don't think any of our alternative options have got that whole inverted thing nailed down as well as him. We know it's a big part of Mikel Arteta's game, whether you or I like it or not. And we know that whoever plays that role is going to have to do it at points. OK, sometimes Arsenal will look to do it from the right hand side. That's what we did against Nottingham Forest with Thomas Partey coming inside. But can you get away with leaving out a centre half to give you that extra midfielder to then facilitate Partey moving uh, into a, a slightly more defensive position from the off from which he drifts in field? I don't know that you can do that away from home. I certainly wouldn't be doing that. I think we need a back four. Uh, rather than what was a kind of makeshift back four that for the majority of the game against Forest was actually a back three. Moving into midfield, I've taken Kai Havertz out of the equation, not because I think he's been bad. I know the narrative around Kai Havertz, generally speaking, is quite negative, And I think that a lot of it is unfair. I think a lot of it is um, people picking on him because of his past. And, and a lot of people are trying to prove a point because they didn't want the signing in the first place. And often when you when you feel like that, what are you seeking to do? You're seeking to, you know, you're seeking to discredit the decision. You're seeking to credit your initial view on it and your opinion and basically make out that you were right all along or you're looking for any excuse to kind of throw that in people's faces. Not everybody's like that, but a lot of people are like that. That's the reality. 
I've taken him out because I don't think I don't think we I don't think we should go into the this game with what was a slight imbalance against Nottingham Forest. I think there will be games at home, as I've said before, that we can probably get away with playing Kai Havertz as part of a midfield, that we can probably get away with uh, doing what we did with Thomas Partey in order to keep Kai Havertz in the picture as well. But this is not one of those games. I think at times, Rice is going to have to drop that bit deeper and sit alongside Partey. I think at times, we're going to have to be um, wary of what Crystal Palace have to offer as an attacking threat. And at times, we're going to just have to sit back and soak up for a few minutes until we can wrestle back control of the game in the event that it gets away from us. I think Declan Rice's ability to drop in alongside Thomas Partey, like he did at times against Manchester City in the Community Shield, is what makes him a great fit for that eight position because he can get forward and support, but he can also do that. And I always thought of Declan Rice prior to his arrival at Arsenal as more than anything a defensive midfielder. And so those defensive instincts, you know, we 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 don't want to coach them out of him. You know, we want him to get forward and to be more forward thinking in the way he progresses the ball and in some of the positions he takes up. But it would be wrong to get rid of those or, or coach out some of those defensive instincts because that is what gives us the balance in midfield. We've talked about it throughout the summer. Rice and Partey both need to be in the midfield for me. Odegaard, no-brainer, club captain. One of our most creative forces. He needs to be in the side. One of the other decisions uh, that Mikel uh, has to make is on the left flank. For me, it's Martinelli because it's his position at this moment in time. And I understand the reasons tactically, which we've talked about before, that Martinelli is seen as the go-to man in that area. But there is a case, and this is a, the great thing about this Arsenal side right now, there is a case that Leandro Trossard should start such is the level of competition. Every time he comes on, he has an impact. Every time um, he's asked to do a job, he, he does it to great effect. Got a goal, uh, a couple of goals actually, against Luton Town in the behind-closed-doors friendly, which again will have given Mikel something to think about. But I just think Martinelli's pace away from home and his directness it is what you want to go for. But Trossard, that's not to shit on Leandro Trossard. I think he's a great player. I think he's a wonderful impact player. Um, some players are good at impacting games off the bench. They're able to get onto a, a pitch and they're able to kind of get up to speed really, really quickly and impact games even in short windows. Not every player is able to do that. That is a skill in itself. It's a talent in itself. And I think that Trossard is very much at the moment our impact man. So I don't expect him to start. I think that Martinelli will play from the left. Saka, no-brainer, fantastic footballer. Um, scored a wonderful goal against Forest last week and I'm sure uh, will continue on the right-hand side. Another big decision is at centre-forward, though. Eddie Nketiah got a goal last weekend, gave a good account of himself. I thought Havertz gave a good account of himself in the Community Shield final. But when Nketiah came on that day, he changed the game. He started to stretch Manchester City with his runs in behind. Add that plus the goal, um, I think Nketiah, who's full of confidence at the moment and who's been training really, really well, according to Mikel Arteta, uh, should continue through the middle. So the, the points of contention, I guess, for me are left back. As I say, if Zinchenko's fit and available, you play him. Uh, if not, then it's Tommy Asu for me. I don't think that Mikel Arteta fancies Kieran Tierney too much and would there be speculation about his future, despite Mikel's comments the other day in which he suggested there's no plan for him to leave. I think Tommy Asu is probably the one that you're going to see start in that position. Um, some of you in the chat are saying Trossard through the middle at centre forward. 
I just don't see that happening. I think Enketia and Havertz will both be seen as better options as at centre forward uh, than Trossard. Agree or disagree, that's the way I think Mikel sees it. And ultimately, that's what matters. Uh, that's what's going to determine the team selection. But yeah, contentious points. Left back for me, it's Tommy Asu, although that's not ideal, right? And that can't be a long-term thing. Um, if we have concerns and worries about Zinchenko's fitness, particularly now in the absence of Jury and Timber, then I think we need to go out and buy uh, or bring someone in on loan or whatever. We just need to, to fill that position because it's clear that Tierney is not seen as a solution there. Tommy Asu playing on his wrong side, not sustainable for me. Something that I think we could probably get away with tomorrow night, but not something I want to see every week. Um, and as I say, Gabriel comes back into the defence uh, for me. So my team, Ramsdale in goal, White, Saliba, Gabriel and Tommy Asu across the back line. Partey, Rice and Odegaard in midfield with Martinelli, Saka and Enketia in attack. And when you think about that, you've got Kai Havertz to bring on off of the bench. You know, you've got uh, Leandro Trossard to come off of the bench. That's two players that can impact the game for you. Um, there are others as well. You know, Fabio Vieira, I think he's getting better and better. I think that you know, Jorginho could come in in midfield, which would be a big help. I think Zinchenko will at least be fit enough for the substitutes bench. So all of a sudden, you're seeing a stronger group again and a squad that is capable of challenging. Real shame, as I say, about Timber. But, you know, it is what it is. And we're just going to have to cope with it in the best way possible. Timber, for me, as great as he is, is not a long-term solution at left-back either because he's a right-sided player. He was someone that was brought in to play right-back and centre-back. Um, you know, he found himself playing at left back due to the absence of Zinchenko uh, and he did very, very well. But over the course of, let's say, three, four, five games, I think we would have started to see that he's not 100% comfortable there as well. I think he's more comfortable than Tommy Asu for what it's worth. And I think he plays the specific role Arteta wants better than Kirantini does. But ultimately, he's not a left back, Julian Timber. So you could argue this is a position that if Kieran Tierney's not a solution for, we we still need to uh, go out and address anyway because of Zinchenko's constant fitness problems. But hey, um, it is what it is. Uh, right, I'm going to take a few of your questions. Um, I'm also going to share with you guys my prediction uh, for this one just after the break. If there's any changes that you'd make to this side, please do uh, let me know. Um, so as I say, prediction and some of your questions after this very brief pause. <laughs> OK, uh, let's see what you guys have been saying with regards to my team selection. Lexi says Trossard maybe through the middle. I'd say he's our form player and it will be like play. And we will likely be playing a high line against Palace. Eddie would be a fine choice, too. He needs to show consistency for me. So, yeah, look, at the moment I'm going with Eddie, but I did think about Havertz quite a lot. And why? Because I think we're going to face a low block and I think it would be nice to have the option of putting crosses in um, if Crystal Palace, as I expect, are going to set up really narrow and force us into the wide spaces. I'm not saying that Arsenal are going to change their game model or style and start putting balls into the penalty area with great regularity, but to be able to have that option, to be able to stand the ball up at the far post and have Kai Havertz um, sort of in that area, given his height, um, I think would or could be a real useful thing for Arsenal. Do I think that's what he's going to do? I think that he'll think that Nketiah has done enough. I wonder if you're going to see that Partey thing again, um, which means that Havertz is 
found a place for in midfield, which means that Arsenal just take a bit more of a gamble, a bit more of a risk. I don't know. We're going to learn a lot, aren't we, tomorrow? Is Mikel Arteta brave enough to do that away from home? Or was that something that he's going to use exclusively at Emirates Stadium? We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, but yeah, uh, interesting. Because look, And again, it goes back to the point. The more debate we're having to have about who plays where, the more it tells us about the greater competition within the group now. Now, I know some people will say that having consistency is a really underrated thing and actually it's better than chopping and changing and tinkering all the time. I think we're at a, a phase now, we're at a stage where we need to be able to rotate because of the demands that are going to be placed on this team, not just in terms of physically, but in terms of the expectation as well. We're going to need to be able to take people out the firing line when they're not performing. We're going to be need to have people snapping away at each other's heels uh, for positions in the side. So, yeah, um, I'm really, really excited um, about uh, what's to come this season. And fingers crossed we can continue our positive start with the second uh, win of the season. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Shakes uh, says, uh, really strong team, to be fair, with options off the bench. Absolutely. You know, we named some of them when we were running through that team, players that could come in, players that you can make a case for as being starters. Um, Thomas says, uh, do you think there may be problems getting into the Palace Stadium tomorrow if there's a World Cup winners parade? Oh, man. Um, first of all, they got to win the World Cup. Um, they haven't kicked off yet at the time of recording. Would it be that quick? Because they got to come back from Australia. I don't know that it would take place that quick. I'm sure they would give it maybe till the next day. Uh, maybe till Tuesday. I don't know. I don't envisage there being any problems getting to Selhurst Park. I'll be heading down there as well. Uh, so hopefully um, there aren't any issues. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Latvian Guna uh, goes on to say, having the depth also allows us to be less predictable to our opponents compared to last year. And switching things up at times isn't the worst thing. I agree with that. Uh, Ian says, is it true that Arsenal have made a serious inquiry on Furlong Mendy? Uh, from Real Madrid. Now, we were talking a little bit earlier on, weren't we, about the need to maybe bring in another left-back if Kieran Tierney's not seen as a solution and if Kieran Tierney could still be heading for an exit between now and the end of the window. To my knowledge, I don't know that Arsenal have made a, an inquiry for Furlong Mendy. I have, like you, seen those reports floating around on social media, but I haven't seen them corroborated by anybody that... And I'm not saying whoever's reported it is wrong or making it up or anything like that, but I haven't seen it corroborated by anybody that I would say has their finger on the pulse. So I'm a little bit reluctant to get carried away away with that one. Um, <laughs> is that drink sponsored, Harry? It's not, but I bloody need it uh, to keep me awake after the morning uh, shift <laughs> this morning. Uh, what else have we got? Um, you know what? We'll take a few questions in a minute. Let me give you my prediction for this one. Start filling up the chat box with your questions while I do this. So oh, it's a tough old one, isn't it? I think Arsenal are going to win. I think we've got enough. I think we've got enough quality. I think we've got enough match winners. I think we've got, um, you know, multiple sources of goals now. I think we've got um, options from the bench to be able to change games if things aren't going our way. And I always think that, you know, when you look at Mikel Arteta now um, and you compare to where he was 12, 18 months ago, he's evolved. You know, we talked a lot about the team evolving. I think he's evolving all the time as well. He's becoming a better and better coach, a better and better manager. He's understanding of game situations and he's reading of what's needed and uh, and what can make the difference in game, I think, is improving as well. 
Um, so I'm going to go for an Arsenal win. I'm going to go for Arsenal to win this one 2-0. Um, we could really do with a clean sheet. You know, defensively at the end of last season, we were shaky in comparison to how we started the campaign. The goal that we conceded last weekend really, really frustrated me. I know it really, really frustrated Aaron Ramsdale as well, judging by his reaction. Um, it put us in a situation where we weren't comfortable for the last seven or eight minutes of a game, which shouldn't have been the case given how dominant we were prior to that. But yeah, um, yeah, 2-0 to the Arsenal and a clean sheet uh, would mean a lot, I think, uh, at a place like Selhurst Park. So Arsenal to win 2-0 at Selhurst Park, that's my prediction. We'll get some of yours as well in the live chat. Let's take a few more questions uh, before we say goodbye, just conscious that the Women's World Cup final kicks off in around about 20 minutes. I want to take in some of the build-up to that as well. Uh, Mafia Boss says, uh, thoughts on Rule Walters from the Academy as cover for Timber Harry? So I quite like Rule Walters. Um, he obviously featured in pre-season last summer, uh, more than he did this time around. And I thought it was his time. Obviously, it wasn't. And, and there is competition in that right back position where he quite likes to play. You know, you've got Tommy Asu there, Ben White, um, you know, Cedric Suarez is still at the club as well. Not that he should be prioritised in any way, shape or form, but he is somebody that is at the club of that profile. Rule Waters can play as a centre back as well. Again, another area uh, where there's quite a bit of competition at Arsenal. Now, the timber injury, I guess, opens up a bit of a pathway and, and knocks him up the pecking order. But would I trust in him? Right now in a Premier League situation, probably not. Um, and that's based on the fact that I haven't seen that much of him over the last 12 months. Not because I don't think he's a talented young man. And obviously the club will have a great knowledge and understanding of how ready or not ready he is. Uh, but for me, I don't think he could be relied upon at this moment in time. Shakes McKenna says, what do you think Mikel's plan is for Emile Smith-Rowe? Difficult to say. Um, difficult to see how Emil Smith-Rowe re-establishes himself in this side. He's just got to keep taking the opportunities that come his way. I think at the start of the season, when you're a player who's chomping at the bit and you're trying to break into a side, it's quite difficult. Once you get to the point in the season where the games are coming thick and fast, and that'll be in September for Arsenal when the Champions League kicks off, you stand more chance of getting more minutes and therefore you stand a greater chance with more minutes of proving yourself and therefore, you can elevate the manager's opinion of you. I think Mikel really rates Smithrow. Um, if he didn't, the club wouldn't have given him that contract that they did, wouldn't have given him the number 10 shirt, wouldn't have made such a big deal of convincing him to stay. But obviously, injury problems have set him back and left him watching on from the sidelines while Arsenal as a team really, really developed. I think it's looking more and more likely that he is going to be deployed as an attacking midfielder. Um, one of the eights, essentially, rather than uh, from the left wing, which is a position that he was successful in for Arsenal in the past. And I say that because, you know, Martinelli's nailed that one down. He took the opportunity that came his way when Smith-Rowe picked up that injury and he's never let go of it since. You know, Leandro Trossard has come into the club and done really, really well when called upon too. So I feel like his future is more in midfield. Um, but when he's going to get those chances... You know, we're going to have to wait and see. I think he's going to have to be patient for a few more weeks yet before he gets significant game time. And then he can really get to work and get down to proving um, his worth to the side. Kenny says, uh, how good is Esther Pinyan? Really, really like him. Really like him. He's in my fantasy team as well. 
Um, and he had a great day yesterday on fantasy football if you're a player. So, um, yeah, um, I think he's a good player. I think Brighton deserve a lot of credit. You know, they managed to bring in these types of players constantly and eventually the, the supply will dry up, you feel. Um, but for the moment, it's certainly in the last few years, they've been able to bring in top quality players for really low prices, develop those players, sell them on for big, big money, put the club in a wonderful cash rich position. And uh, they're in Europe as well this this season. So certainly uh, progress there. And it's progress that Brighton as a football club should be uh, really, really proud of. Uh, Matt G, this is a great question. Would you sign Ossiemen and Mbappe if you had to play Mustafi and Holding as your centre-back pair for the season? Oh, man, um, that would be fun to watch, wouldn't it? That would be literally kamikaze football. No, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't because the stress of conceding goals is always worse for me um, than the feeling of scoring goals, uh, which sounds really, really negative on my part. But just Mustafi and Holding would kill me as a centre-back pairing. Osimhen and Mbappe would be amazing, of course. Um, but I think we've got pretty good forwards. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not too uh, tempted by your uh, your scenario there, Matt. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm interested to know what the listeners think about that as well. Would you sign Osimhen and Mbappe if it meant you had to play Mustafi and Holding as your centre-back pairing for the season? Oh, wow, great question. Um, great question. Right, guys, uh, I think I'm going to leave it there. Um, I think we're going to sign out. Um, 15 minutes to the Women's World Cup final at the time of recording. Um, I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, I hope we get to enjoy um, a good Arsenal performance and result tomorrow night as well. That, for me, is more important than anything else. I have to hold my hands up to that. Uh, but, yeah. I'll see you guys on the other side. I'm going to be at Selhurst Park, which means we won't get a post-match podcast out to you right away. Um, I'm kind of hoping that I'll be able to do it from Selhurst Park when the game is over. It might be slightly shorter, like a 20, 30 minute edition. But then, of course, we'll follow it up on Tuesday with another episode where we can dive into the talking points in a bit more detail. Um, I'm just going to have to kind of play it by ear because I'm going to be working as well. Uh, at the game, which makes it a little bit difficult sometimes to predict how stuff's going to go. Um, but if I can do something from Selhurst Park post-match, then I'll do that. If not, I'll be with you bright and early on Tuesday morning and we'll dissect the game. Hopefully, we'll be reflecting on a second Premier League win of the season for the Gunners. Thank you all so, so much. Have a great Sunday. Enjoy your day, uh, whatever it is that you're doing, and I will see you on the other side. Come on, you Gunners. Until next time, goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.